You have to be willing to take risk in terms of growing beyond the boundaries which other people set for you. I would tell you, if you can't have the ability to alter yourself, you think that you're always right, you're going to get left behind because the world is moving with or without you. Hello and welcome to Million Dollar Monday. I'm your host, Greg Mazzello, bringing you real successful people with real useful advice for people with big dreams. I understand big dreams. I turned an investment of $200 and a lot of great advice from some really successful people into my big dream, Proforma, that today is a half billion dollar company. I am excited to introduce our guest today, Michael Siegel, Chairman of Olympic Steel. Mr. Siegel joined Olympic Steel in 1974 and then joined the Olympic Steel Board of Directors in 1984. That year, he also became Chief Executive Officer. In 1994, Mr. Siegel took the company public and assumed the role of Chairman of the Board. Today, his time with Olympic Steel, he has orchestrated seven acquisitions, three major expansions, and three greenfield startups. All totaled, Olympic Steel has grown from 35 million to more than 1 billion in revenues and seen marked improvement in its key performance and financial metrics under his leadership. Mr. Siegel has received numerous business awards, including Ernst & Young Entrepreneur of the Year, Metal Center News Steel Man of the Year, Inside Business Northeast Ohio Business Hall of Fame. Michael, welcome and thank you for joining me. Greg, uh, thank you for having me. It's indeed my pleasure to have this opportunity. All right, well, let's sort of start at the beginning since this is, we're talking about people with big dreams. Take me back a little bit to your youth about maybe some big dreams you had when you were younger and, and just sort of briefly about your situation growing up and going to school. So thank you, Greg. I think, you know, like everybody, I, I think I was a surprise to all my teachers. Because if I look back and uh, see my uh, old report cards, it might say if Michael would only apply himself, he could actually do something in his life. Um, so, so I think that there's a point in which you decide to grow up and actually do apply yourself, take all the advice from your teachers. So I grew up in suburban, you know, Cleveland uh, and uh, a very kind of suburban lifestyle. Uh, lots of friends, lots of neighborhoods, played sports in high school. So, you know, it was very normal. Uh, went off to college in 1974. Um, again, same thing. Wasn't really serious about the direction that I was going to go uh, until, until really, I think, after college. It really was for me, you know, growing up in college was really kind of a maturation process, but it really was the epiphany for me was was fatherhood. I knew I always had a dream, Greg. I wanted to get married. I wanted to have a family. I wanted to be, quote, successful, whatever that meant. But it really was more about meaning and purpose. And that was the driving narrative for me in terms of trying to accomplish something. Great. And thank you for sharing that. So tell us then how you went from that, graduated from college and starting to mature. How'd you get involved in, in the business? 
<laughs> As I like to say, my mother liked my resume. So it was a family business. Um, the, the, uh, the business was started by my father and his eldest brother uh, back in 1954. They both had backgrounds in the steel business, and the two of them decided to get together with, as my father said, $19,000. 18000 from my uncle and one from him. Uh, and they started this business as a steel brokerage business. And I think um, there was another brother that was brought in and some other things that were going along. And it really wasn't ever my necessarily desire to come into the family business. But there was a point in which um, the steel industry, when it was something in the 1970s, got very busy. Um, you know, my father was the only one of his family to graduate high school. And so he was the, quote, bookkeeper. You know, everybody else was selling and or doing more operational things. And my father was the guy who could actually put numbers together. So, so he was very busy as the business was starting to grow uh, and said, look, uh, you're graduating college. You've got to come in and help me or you're not coming in at all. So it was one of those, you know, okay, I'm looking at all these friends of mine who were going off to India with the Maharishi and doing all these wonderful things in the 70s that people did. And then, you know, by the time they were 26 and 27, they were all coming back and working with their father, you know, in the family businesses. I said, eh, might as well cut the timeline and go right into business. So I literally graduated uh, college on Sunday and started work on Wednesday because I had to drive home and dry out. So those were the two days. And so on Wednesday after college graduation, I started at Olympic Steel and very fortunate that uh, a variety of circumstances allowed, you know, wealth, you know, the business transferred 10 years later to the, to the next generation. And from there, we really accelerated the growth opportunities from, you know, what was when I started 13 million in sales, when we took over in 84, we were 30, 35 million in sales. And really last year, we were 1 billion seven. I'll add that other $700 million into that $1 billion number. So very proud of the growth and very proud of uh, the accomplishments, Greg. Uh, yeah, it's amazing. It's a wonderful yeah. story. I'm sure your parents are finally proud of you. I, I kind of went through the, some of the same things I heard my whole life. Why can't you be more like your older well, brother? You know, as, you know, you want an honest statement? My wife will kill me. The last thing my mother said to me, I'm so surprised you made something of yourself. Those are the last <laughs> things my mother said to me. And she meant it as a compliment. So Of course. Of, yeah, of course. course. That has to feel good. But tell us, so you went from... 30-some million to over a billion dollars in sales. Tell us some of the key things that you did, some of the high highs and the low lows. Tell us that story. Yeah. So the high highs, I think the skill is recognizing other people's ability to perform. For me, you know, again, never the, never the A student, you know, never the best athlete, uh, although a good team player, right? I, I like team sports. I still say that now. I'd rather have a good... Uh, a hire of somebody who played on a team sport than an individual sport. And I do think that nobody does these things alone. Uh, I do think that you have to recognize that you may have uh, a good sense of or common sense, but there are others who have better skills than you have, and you literally have to give them the ability to perform and get out of their way. So, so I think there was one, the ability to recognize talent in other people. Uh, don't take credit take the blame, give the other people the credit, and then find older mentors. I think one of the skills you and I talked about, you know, about, you know, what really made a difference. It wasn't, yes, my father gave me lots of good um, um, guidance, ethics, but, you know, there's along the way, you have to find mentors who are more seasoned than you are, and you have to listen to the guidance uh, 
uh, people like who are more successful than you are. You can't think like you have an original idea. All these ideas have been done before. There might be a new product and, you know, there's only a, there's a Bill Gates, there's a, you know, there's a Steve Jobs, I'm not them. <laughs> okay. Um, and so I'm not them. So, so I was very blessed that a lot of people kind of liked me and I liked them. And I, you know, whether, whether I use them as individual mentors or business mentors, I listened very well, even though I talk a lot. So I think listening to and finding people that you respect that are older than you are, who have been through the wars and have told you, like, these are the things you ought to be thinking about. Um, for me, it was, was really um, very fortunate to have a lot of people who were my seniors who really took a liking to me and gave me great advice. What were some of the key things that you did strategically? Uh, you know, I, I grew up in the era when Drexel Burnham was in the Wall Street Journal every day. Um, and so you're sitting there and you go, I, I think I'm a reasonably smart guy. You know, I'm reading all these great success stories in the, in the business journals and going, I can't figure all this out, right? Um, and so I think part of it was, I knew that being in Cleveland, Ohio, uh, having a guy who wants to be in the room kind of mentality, staying in Cleveland, Ohio alone was not for me. So I think you have to have an expansive view of where your place is in, in, the, in the United States or and in the world. And then you have to be willing to take risk in terms of growing beyond the boundaries which other people set for you, right? There's there's a, an expectation that you're not going to do things as opposed to what you actually really think you're capable of doing. So I think it was kind of the first acquisition, Greg. You know, how do I how do I buy my three bedroom, one and a half bath in Chicago? You know, what where's the geography I need to be in to service not just the company, the clients I have, but the clients I want to have. And so I think a lot of the acquisition you know, opportunity, you know, again, you better be really right on the first one or the second one might not come along so soon. So I think this, you know, entrepreneurial spirit of saying, one, I need to, I need to be bigger and better. I need to be bigger in terms of my ability to expand beyond the geographical boundaries that have been placed for me uh, is number one. And then two, failure for me was never an option. I mean, I, I think that when I talk to younger people and they ask advice, I said, don't try and find a life work balance. I said, there's no such thing. Okay, there's only the choices that you make along the way. You know, there's not, okay, I'm going to spend X amount of hours with my kids or X amount of hours in my work. And everybody tells you, oh, when you die, I never say I should have spent more time at work. And the answer is, no, I spent a lot of time at work. Um, I spent an awful lot of time at work. Uh, even then, when I had three kids, very young. I mean, I had three before I was 30 years old. Uh, I spent a lot of time at work because that's what I felt I needed, right, for my family and for the, the life goals I set for myself. So, you know, working hard is, is one, working smart is the other, but recognizing that the reason you're working is, is for a much longer term plan of your life than, you know, boy, how do I cash out right away? And so when you make these things and you make mistakes, I mean, believe me, not all the acquisitions are good ones. But failure is not an option. We've we've closed businesses, we've bought businesses. I won't tell you everything was perfect, but the uh, the ability to continue to say focus on the mission. Where are you going? Don't lose sight of the mission. What are you trying to accomplish, and where are you going? Particularly as captain of the ship, you know you can't panic in the storm. There are moments in recessions that are very difficult emotionally, 
Um, family, uh, I would tell you, pick a great partner, find a great partner for life because you can't do it alone and there's got to be a support system for you. And I was very blessed to, to, to make a great choice <laughs> with a spouse, uh, which I can tell you was just probably dumb luck on my part and a plan on her part. But um, it was, um, it is, I've had a lot of good luck, but I've worked very, very hard. I mean, working hard uh, without trying to worry about the guilt of what you weren't doing. Uh, it didn't really get in my way. Yeah, yeah I like you. Like you. Uh, have ch children, and I worked hard, and I there's no apologizing for it, Michael. Yeah. I I think it helps give children a sense of work ethic, and uh, yeah, they view, they view your actions, not your words. They view your actions, not your right. words. Right, exactly. So I, I think I think it's it's all good. Tell me about the scariest time. Can you think of the scariest time, the most concerning time? in your business besides tomorrow um yeah i think um it's always tomorrow right the fear of failure is always is always tomorrow i think you know greg there's a point where you know when you think you're master of the universe um you know remember we were we were really on a pretty aggressive acquisition trail back in the early 90s and we had levered ourselves up pretty strong um and um and, and a recession hit, a major recession hit. And so um, our bank at that time, um, we're still here and they're not. You'll forget and I'll forget, only I'll remember. Um, I think that our bank kind of put us on a very uh, short leash, uh, I mean, a choke leash. I remember when they did that, which I thought was not appropriate given uh, where we, you know, what we were doing in terms of performance. And I tell them, I will work every day of my life to get you out of, out of this company. And so we actually paid off that loan in less than two years uh, under great constraints uh, by the bank. And um, yeah, it was pretty scary when a bank walks in and says, you know, we're cutting your line and we're putting all these controls on you. And um, yeah, it was, it wasn't pleasant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Reactions <laughs> to scary times are so important and uh, great response and a lot of wisdom in what you've just said. What other key pieces of advice would you have for aspiring entrepreneurs and people with big dreams, Michael? So people with big dreams, I'd always say keep your dreams, uh, but recognize you still need cash flow. You know, cash is king uh, is the only advice I give anybody. You know, uh, I, I've seen great entrepreneurs, you know, with great ideas just run out of money. Uh, and, and, and so it's not the, that you don't have the best idea. You have to understand that cash is king. It's the only economic philosophy that works in every single market universe. Um, you know, life's not fair, you know, and neither is your business and neither is your suppliers. So, you know, in business, to some degree, it is about winning the transaction. Okay, it's winning the transaction. Not, it's not, you don't have to win everything, but you really have to have, I, I call it, you have to have a certain degree of either fear of failure, uh, and sometimes I say it's anger. I mean, you, you gotta be angry when you fail. You know, you gotta be able to look in the mirror, you know, and look at yourself and say, how did I fail? I mean, why did this not work out? I mean, I thought all the logic, I played all the chess pieces the right way. And yet I didn't get the order. I didn't get the, you know, and don't blame anybody else for your failure. And, and by the way, and take some of the blame for somebody else's failure. I, I would tell you, 
when things don't look work out the way you had expected, look at yourself first and say, how can I change my behavior? Um, it's not the other person's issue. It's my issue. And so I think always I would tell a young entrepreneur, you know, you can't, you can't be the one trick pony. You've got to be able to, to evolve and change yourself. You know, I used to say every 10 years then every five years. Now it's every three years. I would tell you, if you can't have the ability to, to alter yourself, you think that you're always right, you're going to get left behind because the world is moving with or without you. And you've got, you've got to change yourself all the time and change your business, which is very hard to do, especially as you get big. Great advice. All right, Michael. So clearly uh, you're in the room in business and you're clearly in the room in other uh, segments of, of your life that I know are important to you. You've taken a company from 30 some million to over a billion. You're the chairman of the board. Um, tell me now that you've achieved so much. What now is the big dream or the big dreams for you for the rest of your life? Well, um, you know, now I'll go back to my 60s liberal. Uh, you know, wait a second, wait a second. Yeah. Let me break here just to show you here. I'll show you this. Okay. There's my 60 liberal self. Okay. <laughs> I think I would like the world to be a better place. I think I have, you know, I, I, I'm in a lot of geopolitical rooms, uh, not on one side of the aisle or the other, but I've been able to, to straddle you know, kind of a centrist position politically where, where I am uh, called upon to be in rooms that where I think big decisions are made. I, I think the world today is clearly different. I think the, you know, the, the, the aspect of this thing, you know, being so much more powerful than, than when we put a man on the moon is incredible and the age of communication is as dangerous um, you know, uh, as, as anything we've ever seen in our lifetime, because somebody in a, in a little hut in the Philippines can shut down the electrical grid of America. Um, so, so I think that we have to, um, I think I would like to make the world a better and safer place. And so I spend a lot of time on philanthropies, as you know, I, I, I actually care about ethics and governance. I, I do think you can be successful and be a good person at the same time. And I, and I do think your values matter. I, when I, I spoke to younger people in high schools, particularly, what I try and remind them is that somebody from another country in your family came here. I don't care if it's your parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, whatever. There's very few people who have been here for hundreds of years. Many of us have been here for a hundred years or less as a family. And, and, and integrity, the name of that person who came here to sac that sacrificed everything for you to be here now is something that you should never jeopardize. Your family name is everything. And so, so to me, I think the, the, the dream now is, is to take what little power I have, Greg, and try and use that to influence a, a better outcome for everybody. I want my grandkids to be safe and I want everybody's grandkids to be safe. Michael, that's really good stuff. It's a great story. It is a lot of great advice. And most importantly, I'm proud that you've earned your way into so many important rooms in your business, in your family, and in your life. I wanna thank you today very much for joining us. And to all of you who listen in today, those of you with big dreams, 
Those of you that are aspiring entrepreneurs, I hope that you get some wisdom and some motivation from a very successful man, Michael Siegel. Thank you all for joining us.